My loyal supporters, do I have something special just for you. Subscribe for five buckaroos and gain access to exclusive content, discounts on merch and products, live videos, and so much more. Y'all know I'm generous and I'm doing this just for you. Why? Because we've just leveled up and we've grown. And those of you who've been rocking and supporting me, I want to make sure that you know that I love you and I'm so grateful for you. Be sure to hit the link in the caption or bio or check me out at lasuperagent.com and hit subscribe as a loyal supporter. Okay, I feel like we are all set. I don't like that I'm not in my camera's view, so I'll just move over here. And welcome, Ready Set Real Estate's monthly webinar series. I am really excited to have you on board. Stoked that you signed up and really showing support. And if you are a loyal supporter, guess what? This is part of your monthly benefits as part of being a loyal supporter of the Ready, Set, Real Estate show, and now brand, and now the entity that is a proponent of real estate literacy. Now, we are going to cover this topic, and it's one of my shorter topics, so I am really happy that um, we're not going to go on for too long today, which is really great, and this really allows us to um, really just jump into just really jump into death of a property owner. And we've been hearing this term about legacy and legacy building and uh, wealth building and transferring wealth. Well, there are some uh, things that need to happen in order to get that end result. 
And so that's what we're going to cover today is because most oftentimes people are taking uh, ownership. They are signing and determining what happens to their property at the time of purchase. And they, most people never look back. They never go back to the vesting and they never change it or they don't think about it depending on their, uh, their purchasing experience or their home buying experience. Sometimes it is a lot, a lot of documents. It's really overwhelming and they're quickly going through signing, filling things out and not realizing how significant the line item on the form called um, um, title investing, excuse me, called title investing, uh, there is a section there where you are declaring and you're stating how what you want to happen to this property upon your death. And so this is really a timely webinar, and I'm, again, I'm really excited that you are all here. And oh. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure I was recording. I mean, that would be horrible, right? And then you wouldn't be able to get the replay. That's no fun. Okay, great. So if you have any questions, you can go ahead and jump in the chat box. Um, or if they're a little bit more personal, again, that's I welcome those. But do send those directly via email, lisa at lasuperagent.com. All right. As we jump into this, there are two promises, and that's death and taxes. The famous quote by Benjamin Franklin, oh, Benny said, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. That's quoting Benjamin Franklin. And when I think about that, I absolutely get why people are not doing the due diligence. You're not preparing when we know those two things you cannot ignore. And even if you don't pay taxes now, if in the event you inherit property, you are going to pay what is called an inheritance tax or a capital gains tax, um, and there will be estate taxes. So you cannot get around that. For those of you who are new to me, welcome. My name is Lisa Porto. I'm an active licensed real estate professional. I'm an international speaker and public educator. I'm an award-winning super agent. That is my federal registered trademark. I'm an award-winning author. I've been uh, recognized for many awards and accolades across the country. And I am an author of multiple books and just a really a content creator. And this is what you are enjoying as part of my love, my passion for real estate. Um, so much so that I'm also founder of our country's first real estate-focused organization called Real Estate 100 Youth Foundation. And I'm creator of Property Owners EDU. You can learn more about that. And that's really a platform just to support and educate property owners. And there's uh, property owners who are new or existing, and there's property owners who inherit property. And we do have an option for future homeowners. So learn more at propertyownersedu.com. And in summary and short, I'm a mother and lover of the changing seasons. While I do have two bio biological children, I have children all over the globe really from the work that we do through Real Estate 100 and I teach as young as six years old and up real estate literacy terms, concepts and careers as an alternate pathway to success. Know that uh, what you experience from me as part of Ready Set Real Estate, when you invest in Ready Set Real Estate, we in turn invest in you and we also support the nonprofit work that we do through the nonprofit foundation, Real Estate 100 Youth Foundation. All right, so today's objective is 
to learn what happens when the primary owner dies. Again, primary owner dies. For sake of time and concept, we're going to focus on sole ownership. Sole ownership. There are various types of vesting called joint tenancy, tenants in common, in an LLC, a living trust, and on and on and on. Each of those require its own attention. So today, for the most part, because at some point or the other, we are going to deal with the death of a loved one, if not our parents, siblings, relatives, uh, someone we know, will pass on. And there's going to be a point in time that there's going to be that conversation about what do we do about the house? What do we do about the income property? What do we do about blank? And this is what this is about, to make sure that you know how you should prepare how to avoid those costly court costs, and usually that's when a property is subject to probate, probate code, and uh, how to avoid arguments and strife, and really it's just having the conversation, really having the com conversation. So welcome to those of you who are new prospective buyers. Kudos to you, by the way, for taking that step in advance and existing property owners. I really appreciate that you're thinking about this now because the best time to plan for your estate is when you're alive, when you're living, you are empowered to decide what happens in the end. And I, I can't imagine anything more empowering and invigorating when you could start having this conversation and putting the plan into play now. And guess what? And family members, if you're here just tuning in, you may not own property, but again, you may be caretaker of parents who are aging. We do know that day may come, and it's just the cycle of life. And this is about how to keep it in the family if you so desire. And so this is one of those things that I'm excited about because uh, this is what we do. All right, so there's the ownership and vesting. Again, I mentioned that we're going to focus on the sole ownership for the purposes of this webinar. I'm happy to expand it, and you let me know if you'd like me to expand it. I, I really don't want to create stuff that you might not be interested in it. For, the, for this past year so far, all the monthly webinars have been things that have come out of my consulting where people have expressed a need, they've expressed a desire to learn more, and they've been in a situation, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I wish I knew. And so this is where I get to share the wish I knew that I'm hearing people say that now you will know. Now you know and you know to do better. Okay, so full disclaimer, uh, as you know, I am an active licensed real estate professional. I am not an attorney. I'm a not, uh, I am not an advisor or a tax advisor, excuse me. So please, when you are discussing the, Venice, the vesting of your property, and we say this during time of purchase, time of investment, time of transfer, speak with an estate planning attorney, speak with your tax advisor or your accountant, because these things do have legal and tax consequences. Okay, so as we get into the type of vesting, sole ownership, I like to think of this one as the mindset of it's mine, 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 mine. It's all mine, right? And it's okay. It's perfectly okay. There may, there may be for various reasons that a person will take a property as a single man or woman, an unmarried man or unmarried woman or a widow or widower. That means it's solely in their name. And then there's another example of a married man or a married woman 
as his or her sole and separate property. That means they are in a relationship. They are acknowledging being married. However, this property is solely theirs, which means in that event, the married spouse is going to quit claim, which means they're going to give up their rights and interests in a property. And then there's a domestic partner as his or her sole and separate property because we do know DP are recognized across the country. People are in uh, DP relationships and not necessarily has to do with their sexuality, but it is, um, excuse me, their um, sexual orientation, uh, it is recognized as a domestic partnership for some folks. All right, so in the event of ownership investing, and this is a scenario where we see most of the time someone is owning a property and it's just them. It's just them. And here's the thing, listen, keep it simple. To keep it simple, in order to not be subject to probate, the property in a living trust. Put the property in a living trust. Let me go back and I just want to end on this thought real quick. Put the property in a living trust. Wills are subject to probate regardless of what state you are in in this country. Wills will be subject to probate when there's real estate involved, meaning it will cost you as an executor or an administrator to carry out the um, probate of that uh, Estate is going to cost anywhere from 4 to 7%. That is set, set by the courts. That is already set. So the cost to bring over a probate attorney, meaning it's not going to cost you out of pocket, but it's going to be taken from the estate. And again, pay attention that these are things that can be avoided. These costs can be avoided by paying for or investing in a living trust anywhere from 900 dollars or more. Again, the lowest I've seen it lately recently is $900 and that's for a living trust, one property. Uh, they do, attorneys do charge additional filing fees and documentation to transfer additional properties into the trust. So that, that has to be, that's a filing. There is a paperwork that has to be recorded, notarized, and recognized by the county re recorders to transfer that property into the trust. And so, very important, get the trust done, okay? And that's just the bottom line. I could end the class here and then save you thousands of dollars just by saying that. So for those of you who get confused about wills and living trusts, wills are contestable in court, living trusts are not. Usually living trusts have a non-contestable clause, okay? Okay, so conversation starters. What are we asking? How do we avoid getting caught up in the flim-flam, right? Very easy. You should be initiating conversations about something called life insurance. Very easy. Why am I bringing up life insurance? Because oftentimes, and back in the day, this has changed, but back in the day, mortgages used to sell life insurance as part of the loan for a very, very small premium that you can buy a mortgage, uh, you can buy life insurance that upon the death of the owner, it would go directly to pay off the mortgage. Could you imagine what wealth creation opportunity that is? But guess what? 
Times has changed. Things are different. You can have your own conspiracy theories about why that is now. Um, I can have a few of my own, but guess what? Now that we know, we should be adding something, at, something as small as a term life insurance policy or maybe find out if there's a whole life insurance policy. So I ask. I suggest that you ask what type of policy is it and is it still active because we oftentimes find out that we may have had a life insurance part of the job. You know, we may have had life insurance part of the job or part of a union or, you know, once upon a time my mom bought me a policy and, you know, what happened to it? Uh, the next question you want to ask uh, regarding life insurance is who are the beneficiaries? Who benefits? Directly, who benefits? Because then that person could be responsible for paying off the mortgage. So I made a note here. Why are we asking about life insurance? Because the proceeds, meaning the monies coming from the, the death benefit of a life insurance policy can assist with paying off any existing mortgages on the property. So any mortgages, which is a lien, any debts, that uh, that person may have had that goes to serve that okay so sometimes we see beneficiaries they inherit the money and boom they're gone and then you know the estate really didn't get taken care of because they went and you know went off with their money all right so the next thing initiating um, just kind of this discussion about the estate planning and this is really easy hey mom dad do you have life insurance hey mom and dad where do you keep copies of the mortgage statements if anything were to happen to you right where can I locate copy of the mortgage statement or your property tax bills is there a folder is there a drawer where are you storing these things and where's the property insurance declaration page these are three important items right because this is um, the mortgage statement has the lender or the account number, more importantly, the loan number, and an 800 number or email or a website that you can locate. Because guess what? We want to find out how much is owed. We want to communicate to them that the owner has now passed away. And they're going to send you a packet. They're going to ask you for some information. They're going to ask you for certificate of death. They're going to ask you um, proof of court order or decree or copy of a living trust that allows you to be recognized as an executor or administrator or that you have rightful um, uh, interest to the property. The property insurance declaration page will let you know what type of insurance coverage is provided on that property. Very important because if anything were to happen, you want to make sure that you, you know where the coverage is. You know who the insurance company is because things do happen. They do and they will happen. So it's important to know where the property insurance declar declaration page is. And guess what? Did they pay it monthly? Is it paid annually? So it depends. If you're... Uh, if your mortgage is what we call impounded, that means you are paying the PITI, right? PITI, principal, interest, taxes, and insurance are all inclusive in your payment. That means your property tax bill is paid, um, was paid in advance in a year, and then you, as the more, uh, you as the um, owner, borrower, is paying into the escrow account every month, right? You're paying that every month. The escrow pays your property tax bill in advance. They pay your property insurance in advance. And then they're collecting from you on a monthly basis into an escrow account. Okay? Some people don't have mortgages. 
Some of our elders already have properties that are paid off free and clear. So it's really important to know that. Do, do, you know, is it free and clear? Where's the property tax bill? Because even if we have property, uh, property that's paid free and clear, there's still a tax bill. Can't get away from, can't get around it. Two things are certain, right? Two promises, death and taxes. And so again, I do, rec I do recommend that if you can access at least the mortgage statement or property tax bill, you can contact a real estate professional. We do have access to locating that by way of ordering a chain of title, by way of ordering a title. Oftentimes, and I'm learning this, I literally have this scenario uh, where the lender did not come up. So sometimes there are errors, which is why it's important to have a copy of the statement if you know there was a mortgage, if you know there was a loan. Sometimes you may not know that mom, dad did a reverse mortgage. Sometimes you may not know that they refinance and put a loan back on that property. So it's important that you're having these discussions because when, a pay, when, when it's time to sell, if you decide to sell at some point, um, it's important to know that there's going to be a payoff. Somebody needs to get paid, all right? So it may not be today, it may be later, but this is why we're having these conversations, all right? Now, the next thing to consider is, all right, the big one, right? And I, I have to say this, don't disinherit yourself by withholding information if you know there's a will and if you know there's a living trust in place. Sometimes it may not favor you, however, but it is against the law to withhold a will. It is against the law to withhold this information. So even though there may be one, and it may not favor you, you may not end up getting the house, right? Or you only get 25% of it. And you may end up getting it with siblings and everybody else, and you all get it. Do not risk dis disinheriting yourself by withholding this information if you know it's available, all right? Now, the real cool thing, uh, and let me share this. I shared this uh, uh, before. A will is contestable in court, so if a will shows up, it has to go to probate. There's no way around it. We're talking about sole ownerships. Someone who's on the property is a sole owner and they wrote a will out. They had somebody witness it, two witnesses, to um, uh, see that they wrote this and they were in their sound mind and it was witnessed and it was filed and people got copies. That will be subject to probate to now decipher and discern what the intent was. Okay, Living trust. Again, get a living trust. And the reason why these are conversation starters is because you can help your family save money just by saying, hey, you know what? I was on the Ready, Set, Real Estate webinar and I learned that will may not be the best uh, scenario for our family. We should sit down and talk about and explore putting this property into living trust along with any other assets like bank accounts and pensions and cars and anything else of value of assets, okay? And then there's an itemized list of you know, jewelry, jewelry goes to this, the silverware goes to so-and-so, the car goes to so-and-so. And, you know, you itemize those things. You have the conversation. Now, California, Nevada, the probate code allows for something called a Hegstad petition. Say, mom, say you then put, created the living trust, but guess what? Um, mom passed away abruptly, and you didn't get to record the property into the living trust, which means you don't, you get to avoid probate just by filing what is called a Hegstad petition, meaning there was full intent to put that property into the trust before mom passed away. It takes 90 days to file it with the court, and um, you do need an attorney to assist you with that filing. So good thing. 
it does take 90 days. Great news. Uh, so good news, it takes 90, 90 days to file with the court. Great news, it allows you to avoid probate. So don't fret that if you create the trust and somehow um, the person, the trustee, the trustor uh, uh, passed away in after shortly thereafter or, or guess what you never had the opportunity to submit it into um, you never had the opportunity to transfer the property but you have a copy of the trust or you know the trust was there seek an attorney ask them to file a hex that petition if you're another state I would explore maybe called something else but I again would meet with an estate planning attorney to see what do we do in the event of okay that's really important what do we do in the event of now Death, upon death, who you are to notify. Who do I notify? Who, do, who to contact? And again, um, this time it is a sensitive situation, right? And always I express my deepest condolences to my clients and everyone who has to deal with the death. And at the time, while you're emotional, which is most, uh, who's your top five to say? Your advisors, your your insurance professional, your tax attorney, um, your tax advisor, your estate planning attorney, your doctor, your, your PCP, right? So check the lender. Identify yourself as the executive admin or administrator of the estate. Let them know who you has passed away. And they're going to send you some documentation of what they need you. Just follow insurance agent or company them know what happened. They're going to give you a set of instructions. People on notice, right? Because now there's a change of ownership that ha has to happen. Identify them of that. Order date of death appraisal. This is for future tax purposes. Order date of death appraisal. Oftentimes you're strapped for cash, but you can um, pay an appraiser to come out for $500, $450 to $500 to do an appraisal. So that for your records, you can lock in the step up base, and I'm going to talk about that shortly. You can lock in the step up basis. Tax advisor, your tax advisor, because if you are the person who's the executive administrator or will be benefiting, or you expect to be uh, a to be, you need to have this conversation about death and taxes. A state playing attorney, same thing. This conversation. And death and taxes, and they notify the office of the assessor. There's a form called a change, uh, change in ownership statement, and it needs to be filed with E. And this is a revenue taxation code. Again, uh, can't get away from death and taxes. And then now, as far as taxes goes, two things are promised: death and taxes in this. Uh, once once we move through life, is there are estate taxes. As of 2018, the federal government assesses an estate tax on all estates exceeding 11.18 million. So if you ball in way out of control, you will seek estate taxes. But again, with proper uh, tax advisors and estate planning attorneys, uh, there are tax loopholes. Okay, let's just keep it real. And then there is inheritance tax, and that's paid by the individual. And then there's capital gains taxes paid when the property is sold. If you decide at some point you sell the property, 
And I get it, life happens. I've met clients that have kept their properties uh, 10 years after their parents transitioned. And usually it's very difficult because it's still, they're emotionally tied to it. So it's very difficult, difficult to maintain that property or keep that property for whatever reason. They then decide to sell the property. And so there is going to be this thing called capital gain taxes. And you want to utilize the step-up basis, which means that you get to use the value of the property based on the, um, the date the original owner passed away. You step up. Instead of saying, Mom paid 85000 30 years ago, you can use the value of the property based on when, let's say, when Mom died. Okay? Now, let's say the property is worth uh, $200,000 and you sell it for uh, $250,000 or $300,000, whatever that is. So you pay the difference on the capital gains tax between $200,000 and $300,000 versus $83,000, which is a huge amount of capital gains from uh, $83,000 to $300,000. Okay? So it minimizes taxes paid on the investment. And this is very key and important. Short, simple, powerful, and sweet, just like I like it for the sake of time again. I value your time. If you have any specific questions, please email them to lisa at lasuperagent.com. Again, to gain access to exclusive monthly webinars, you can join as a monthly supporter, a loyal, loyal supporter, for just five bucks a month at gum.co slash B-A-C-X. That's gum.co slash B-A-C-X. And I really appreciate you. Have a fantastic and pr productive day. We'll see you next time for our Ready, Set, Real Estate live webinar. Bye.